0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Mirror Man, Mirror Man. You twist and turn my mind
0: until I don't know who I am.
2: Mirror Man. Good morning, and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. It's uh, it's the last international break. The third one is always the worst. I know you're all on your knees, trying to drag yourself through to this next weekend. But don't worry, we're here. I'm joined by Johnny Cochrane. I'm joined by Matt Candelà, whose face looks a little bit blurred at the moment, but maybe that's my connection. Whose connection is failing here? I don't know, Matt. How you doing? He's a blur to me as well. To be fair, he's a blur he's, to you. Okay, I mean, he's not it's bad. A, New York's failing on the internet connection today. He's
1: rolling off. He's probably hot spotted off his phone. He's Nokia thirty two ten trying like to get a, the two pack hologram at gigs. He's no longer <laughs> with us, but they're installed. He's gone back to the source. If anyone was wondering whether this is a matrix style simulation, there is your proof. Man like Matt Candela is Agent Smith himself, and he's gone back. He's he's become code again. He's gone you, back into the Matrix. Do you remember during the
2: pandemic, um, kids were taking pixelated pictures of themselves and they would put it on their Zoom so that teachers are like, "Oh, little Johnny, he's uh looks like he's got bad internet connection," and they'd be straight on the PlayStation. I love that, kind <laughs> of, I love that behavior, Johnny. I am sitting in uh, my. Fiance's study at the moment, and she's got one of those fancy chairs with a lumbar support, little headrest. I tell you, I'm having a great time. I didn't know that you could be comfortable
1: in an office chair. Oh, you can! And the thing is, like you've got a head life, support. Yeah, once you once you get it, it's hard to go back. Do you know what I mean? I remember I had a gig when I was working as an editor for Bino, and. They just had sick chairs. Like every time you sat down, you were like, oh, this is this is really nice. Like I feel at home. And then I, I'd realised that I was just making do with some of the some of the um bits of furniture that I used to sit down, not even always chairs. Um, and after that, I was like, I need to invest in a good quality chair in front of the computer. It just makes life better. So that and a mattress, guys, that's my advice for people out there. Invest in where you relax. Macandela,
0: where is your belief system when it comes to lumbar support? Um, I am um, one of those people who likes to just do random bits of work in random places. Kitchen table, uncomfortable desks, on the bed, uh, makeshift standing desk, laptop on a stack of books. So I'm not a, I'm not a big ergonomic standing desk treadmill desk bit of technology guy i'm like just do you come up with with ideas wherever you are you know do you think pen and paper do you think too much comfort can actually
2: hinder the creative process do you have a tiktok account dedicated to business insights like sit in uncomfortable
0: positions to get to elite ideas I'm, i'm sort of joking because i am actually more like i am i'm not a big one for like you know when you see those that there's like instagram porn for like desk setups People sure. have got like the double monitor, the the light, the all of that sort of shit. I've always Dude, laughed at all it. All they're
1: doing is playing Minesweeper on there, you
0: know. And well, <laughs> I've always laughed at it's it. And then I got and then I just even just got a monitor. And it was like, wow, I'm oh. like five times more productive now. I've I, wasted so I mean, much time. People that
2: get those uh, productive desk setups and they have signs like this,
0: can't oh. add on today.
2: <laughs> this is where I'm sitting right now. And then novelty mug. Oh, how about this one? How about this? Oh, wow. Yeah, we all feel that way, don't where we? Where are you? I'm at my partner's desk right now. She has got a desk set up, 52 different types of pen, a uh, little mini avocado.
1: I mean, this Pete, is... Pete has just shown a sign has saying got, fuck
0: on it. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, for the audio. Has she, got, goes, has she got a sign saying boss lady? I. Uh, I this is pretty close. <laughs> What about work hard, play harder? Oh, she's actually Ooh. got
2: a portrait, a little portrait of me. She sketches. Check out this bad boy. Oh, Ooh.
1: prison haircut and all. thats a Prison decent. haircut. <laughs> yeah, nice. Looks prison a bit haircut. like uh,
0: uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da
2: Vinci. Exactly, exactly. All right, guys, enough jabbering about desk setups and lumbar support. We've got a lot of hot topics to, to get through today. We've got injuries in the Premier League. They're up 15% this year. Hamstrings, uh, top of the charts. So we're going to have a little chat about how Mm. we got there. Uh, David Dean, uh, best friend of the pod. He's uh, sent me DMs and said that this is his favorite podcast. Um, So for the old school out there, David Dean fucking loves it on here. Um, He's been chatting in the media about Arteta's antics. Did he go a little bit uh, Richard Keys and Andy Gray? We can discuss that. We're going to talk about Kai Havertz and the Julian Nagelsmann Galaxy Brain. He played at left back, guys. There's a, there's something to be said about that. And then we'll we'll wrap it up. We're going to do a quick 45 minutes just to let you know that we're all alive. This is going live on our free to air today. But if you like patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion, you can sign up for more content, a Discord chat, which... Uh, it also acts as a bit of a ticket exchange these days. Love to see that. Um you get Johnny's ratings. Oh, it's wonderful. The Arsenal opinion forward slash no patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion. All right, guys. Um we don't not, we don't start on topics though. Um we let you two uh, set the agenda for hottest of take. takes of takes three hottest of takes. Take. The AOP hottest of tapes. Make it spicy. Man like Matt Candela, I'm gonna to go to you for the highest of takes today where
0: you taking it. Um, it's pretty hard, let's be honest, because I don't really like international football, and this international break has absolutely killed me. Yep. It's sure. like being smashed just but uh it's it's everything has come to a halt. Um uh, this is the least engaged with Arsenal I've been all year, I think, this week. Because it's just like, oh for fuck's sake, come on. I just, I just can't. But obviously that's going to change in about two days and we're going to be gearing up for Brentford and we'll start getting excited again. But I do feel like there's a big sort of regurgitation of old news across the board. Um, but I think probably my hottest take is a Kai Havertz one and it is the fact that Nagelsmann, uh, one of the hottest, most progressive coaches on the planet, comes in as Germany coach and has Kai Harvard starting straight away. And I think it's... He was an exceptional and, player. And said, and was very, very kind about him. And, and you just, the list keeps growing. Nagelsmann, Tuchel, uh, Arteta. Um, Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard. Um, but just top-class managers love the guy and want to get the best out of the guy. And the longer that list goes on, and then you compare it to sort of AFC Jonesy thirty-three, who says he's a waste of space. Eventually, you just got to go. You know, I think we've got to start backing the opinion of the, of the experts. So, um, and I know, everyone, oh, what about the eye test? I've seen it. Um, I think he's gonna. I think it's gonna happen. I think it's slow. I think it's been painful. Um, but let's be honest. If it takes him six months to acclimatise to Arsenal. And he has a glittering career no one is going to remember. So I'm positive.
2: Johnny, the pandemic, not the pandemic. It feels like the pandemic because uh, we've been without football for so long. The uh, international break, the third one in the series, does weird things to people. I've been practicing the piano. Uh, Matt's been cooking up uh, Kai Harvert's propaganda. What have you been doing on the international break? And what have you been thinking about with regards to Arsenal FC?
1: I've mainly been posting under my pseudonym AFC Jones two nine one anyway, so uh, <laughs> so I tend to do quite a lot in the international break. But um, look, I, I, I've barely been keeping the uh, the ship above water at the moment because I've just had kids going down with illnesses left and right, and it just adds to the malaise that I'm already feeling with no Premier League or Champions League football. Or, 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 or mate, I'd take a Carling Cup. Or whatever it's called, Carabao. I'd bite your hand off for one of them, but alas, it'll be over soon. Um, I'll, I'll probably go with my hottest of takes along the front. You know, we can we can talk about we were going to talk about Kai anyway when we um kind of get onto it. But um, like you, Matt, there isn't much news to be had out there. And the one thing I will say over it is obviously Nagelsmann has played him, but he's played him at left back and. The idea that sometimes, as a hottest of takes, you have to get your best ideas from out of the room, a different perspective on it, and sometimes someone else's perspective is forced upon them. And then, you know, you think that someone like Arteta, who is constantly trying to sap up information and learn, you think he's not going to be looking at that going, well, I didn't necessarily think about having him at left back. Wouldn't it be a very interesting dynamic if, Zinchenko and Kai Havertz switched positions because <laughs> they weren't cutting it where they were. Like, Go on, I'll have a stint of left-back for you. And that is spicy.
0: That's spicy.
1: Yeah, he's cry- crying out for a little run as um, Declan Rice's partner. Um, so, yeah, uh, at a time there's I... not been much going on. Who knows? Maybe a, a great bit of innovation has come from outside the room. That was where I wanted to take it with my hottest of takes, but you, you, sir, what have you got that is absolutely roasting? I was really, really um, hoping that we were going to sign a
2: striker in January. And my hottest to and my hottest of takes today, is I feel like Arsenal are going to go for a midfielder. I think this is kind of like the the January where we were going after Vlahovic and he didn't land, and we ended up with nobody. And my narrative at that time was you'd rather end up with nobody than end up with a striker that you have deep regrets over. And then the next summer, we signed uh, Gabby Jesus. I'm starting to feel like this January is looking like there aren't world-class strikers available. And Arsenal have been linked with um, uh, Douglas Luiz, of Aston Villa again. And more interestingly, we're linked with Ruben Neves. So Ruben Neves was originally going to get shipped back to Newcastle, but I think all the Premier League clubs are going to band together to say that if you've got Saudi ownership, you can't be loaning players back from Saudi clubs. And that does kind of get me loosely interested in the idea that we might go for someone like him. And if we can get him on a loan deal... I do feel that we're a little bit lacking. And I, I, Thomas Partey is the missing piece of Arsenal. I think, I think we find gear four or gear five with him in the side. And if he's not going to be available and there's an offer to get him out this summer, I think that there's a chance that we could go for a midfielder. And I love Ruben Neves. I think when us three went to Arsenal, he was playing for Wolves that game where we won it late on. He's just such a really good. He's such a good technician. Um, I think he'd he'd fit our vibe. He's got an unbelievable shot, and um, I think our midfield could do with bolstering because we are one injury away right now from another Mo Will Nelly comeback. So my hottest of takes is I don't think there are any strikers that are good enough in January to um, oust Eddie or Gabby Jesus. But I do think that there are some midfielders that could come in and maybe pick up some of the slack that Thomas Partey just seems to be leaving all over the place right now. Matt, you're shaking
0: your head. Um, is, yeah, is it a shake yeah. or is it a glitch? It's a shake. <laughs> I think um, one is, I, I'll tell you what, I'm beginning to warm to Douglas Luiz. Um, I've seen yep. more clips of him. I've seen the development. I think the fact that we're still hot on him after a long time, always been warm on him. And I love the fact that we've been warm on him, I and mean, he seems to be following the the level of progress that we expect of players. I think we've got to do what, and I think he wants to come. So I think, and I think that he recently signed a contract, but I'd be amazed if that didn't have some sort of Champions League stipulation, exit clause, otherwise I don't think there'd be so much noise. So I think Douglas Luiz would be a brilliant signing. He's press, he's a he's a beast when it comes to press resistance. So I think he'd be perfect. Do you, see him
2: uh, as a six, do you
0: see him as a six or an eight? An eight. You see him as an eight. But I see him as a Thomas Party replacement. Yeah. And then him and Rice sort of interchanging. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think it's them both just fluid between the two roles.
1: I, I uh, like that. I like that. I do think that, you know, we've got an option in the building that we need to have a look at first. And that is giving or a couple of games in there. Let's see it. Um, Friend of the pod, Myra, shared a couple of um, uh, underlying stats with me the other day about progressive passes. And did you know that Zinchenko is actually top in Europe for progressive passes? Like, you know, the company he's keeping up there is very, very, you know, it's rarefied there. And he's not just kind of in and around it. He's top by some way. it's, um, It's an impressive stat. But I did just want to push back a little bit on what you said, Pete, about no strikers. To bang the uh, Ivan Tony drum again, what I would say to you out of this is how many strikers in Europe that are reasonable, you know, people we might actually get. You can rule out Haaland, you can rule out um, Kane and, and potentially a few others. How many strikers do you actually think are better than Ivan Tony? Because he is available. Brentford have said that he's available and they've basically set their price. Of course, there are extenuating circumstances around it. If he's not the player you want... You know that's that's personal preference, but I'm saying how many players could you genuinely say are better categorically than Ivan Tony? And if they if we waited till the summer, we can get them instead of him. I I don't know many names. I the
2: the reticence on Ivan Tony is not a talent. Issue for me. I know that there are a lot of the sort of the the tactical nerds that don't think he's good, but 14 non penalty goals in, in a 21 goal season striker is phenomenal for me. He's the only player that I've ever seen occupy William Saliba. But I think when you start out at 100 million, it it just I just don't want us to get into another one of these. You start the month and it's Ivan Tony, Ivan Tony, Ivan Tony. Then you get to the end of the month and no one budged because Brentford have got a very canny ownership group and. I don't think they're going to take sixty, and I, I just—I'm not sure whether Arsenal are going to go to the eighty-five or ninety that they're probably demanding. And I just feel like there's so much pressure on January, and Brentford have also got to survive. And I know they've been doing very well so far, but we'll see where they are at the end of December. Just—it just feels like one of those, uh, you know, strikers that will chase, and it just won't happen. But that's I get, based I get on not sense. knowing
1: anything about the deal. I get the sense if they're saying a hundred million, around eighty million gets it done. Now, if you're saying is he worth 80 million? First of all, like if we had signed him and there was no betting scandal after that season, you know, where he's just banged 20 goals, he's worth more than 100 million. Based on like you know, how much is ha- Harland worth? How m- Harry Kane's at the end of his career, like is in you know his age profile? Ivan Tony's got three years on him or so you would still think that he's going to get north of 100 million in the, in today's market. We'll be getting him at a bit of a knockdown at around 80. I think they do business. And it's whether we want to change, you know, the profile of our attacking unit. And I think that when, when we think back to what happened when we were chasing that top four spot, the year that we, you know, bottled it and Spurs got in, there really felt like a key moment there where if we had done serious business in January, we would have got over the line. I'm convinced we would have. This feels like one of those seasons where it's like, I don't think anyone really believes if we don't do something, we're going to be able to pick the league up. So I'd like to see us at least show ambition. You can't guarantee it, guarantee that it works out, but try and get it over the line. Because at the moment, it feels a little bit like more of a foregone conclusion unless we strengthen. Matt, I don't think I've heard
2: Johnny go as hard for a player since the great days of William Saliba on loan at Marseille. Um, what, what, are you, what is your take on this? A hundred million pound striker? Are you, are I mean, you buying this?
0: I think a hundred million is too much. And I think the reason for that is sell on. Like you just, you, you can't sell the player on for much. And the other big piece of it is, I don't know if we're buying a first choice striker. I think we because I think Gabby Jesus is the first choice striker. I think we're buying optionality and a different way of playing someone to play in some games but not all games someone to rotate in i don't think gabby jesus is suddenly being demoted for ivan tony i think gabby jesus is a better player than ivan tony i just think ivan tony is a different profile so i wonder along with the news today whether vlahovic is the guy to come back in and the reason for that is just don't trust him he's been (laughs) he's been heavily mooted because um, I think his salary is set to tick up so Juventus don't want to add on like an extra 12 million in wages per year or whatever and you know I think he's got four goals in 10 Serie A games but I think if you said to me would you want him for 60 or Tony for 100 I'd go I want Vlahovic for 60 he can come in and provide some optionality in the same way that when we bought like Jose Antonio Reyes or Sylvain Wiltord they're like top players but they're not they they're built to rotate in and get you even a Kanu, they're built to get you a, a 10 12 goals and i think 100 million is too much for 10 12 goals but i think 60 million could be the sweet spot
2: isn't it funny that with 60 million you're still playing in the slightly broken market Vlahovic hasn't really lived up to the billing at Juventus Ivan Toni's got you know there's however we want to frame it he's getting help for his addiction but that's up. a lot of charges he had for gambling and then you run the risk there it's like for the amount of money that we've got we should be able to get somebody with none of the drama but we're not we're not in you know you have to be in the
1: Mbappe land what about Mbappe on a free transfer this summer well you know we, we might be interested in that one if that ever <laughs> it's coming back look the thing is I, I appreciate what you said there Pete but you're talking about a very finite pool of talent and this is why this is why you do pay 60 million pounds for someone that might work out because how many quality strikers are there in europe that you're like you're, they're going to come in and then they're going to go nuts matt was talking about 100 million pounds for sell-on. look at what bayern munich have done they're not getting sell-on from harry kate they'll be lucky if they get a penny back from him when he comes back to the uk but do you think they can I think right I, now? Th-
0: I think they'll get I think they'll get at least I'll get fifty, sixty million back in three years to a Premier League club, maybe Tottenham.
1: Maybe they will, but the reality is, is we would get money for Tony as long as he's good as well. If if Tony scores twenty goals for us, you're getting at least around that, and you know, hundred million. That's what they've said. That's if they want to play hardball. Would you do eighty million for Tony? I'm getting all da- David Dickinson on you now. Oh, Can sure. I get eighty from you? <laughs>
2: Johnny, I'm all about uh, I'm all about Ivan Tony. I love him. I think he's a really good player. I think once you get into the what's the difference between 65 and 80 million, it's just a feeling. Just get it over the line. If he's the person that could win us the Champions League, I want to see him in the start and eleven. Um, I also like that it just brings us back to what two years ago, Tall boy Summer, Johnny. Tall boy Summer is going back, and I don't think we're spending 80 million on a second string striker. I just, don't, I just don't believe it. I think that we will have to work out what to do with Jesus. And I know it is a brutal thing to say. He doesn't score enough goals. Doesn't score enough goals. Brilliant player. But if you can find someone that can do that build-up play, even to like 80% of what Jesus can do, that they can finish, that's that's the difference between finishing second and finishing first, in, in my opinion.
1: I, I agree with that. The one thing I would say is, and this kind of goes back to the point I was making about, it's, it's a very limited talent pool. You know, it's not like there's an endless supply of world-class strikers. There's really not. And Jesus is a very weird level to have when it comes to a striker because we know that he's not perfect. But how many how many strikers around Europe are actually better than him? I can clearly give you some names that are definitely better than him. You know, your Harlands and your Canes. But then it gets into this like kind of pool of people of like, is he really an upgrade? Is he really an upgrade? Because Jesus is in that... Tiered down for me of, you know, below the elite, elite strikers in Europe, in the very good strikers category, he's in there. But like you say, he doesn't score enough. He's world
2: class in the second striker category of what he brings to the team off the ball uh, is like 120%. But what he brings in front of goal kind of sits at like 60, 70%. It's like a player like Mitrovic is a better finisher than Jesus but you wouldn't choose Mitrovic over him you know so it's mm. kind of it's kind of we, we've got one of the best we've got the best striker in the world that doesn't score goals yeah yeah I, yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> don't want to be there and you know I'd rather <laughs> have someone that was a little bit less talented but would get on the end of things give us a threat in front of goal and I want to be able to put my house on one of our strikers scoring in a one-on-one situation. Yeah. I could put my house on Theo Walcott if he was through on goal. Generally, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't, Jesus, you know? I shouldn't, shouldn't be pining you. after Theo Walcott finishing. Here I am. <laughs> Here I am. All right, yeah, Johnny. We um let's get into the first topic of the conversation today. Um, Luther Van Tross. Oh, my word. Um, dirty piece of skill in the Belgian game. I believe he got a goal. Johnny, talk us through what you saw on the internet. Um, what does it say about the talent of this guy?
1: Yeah, I mean, in general, I think the the bit of skill in question, I might have to fire up the little retweet again in case anyone hasn't seen it. But um, that's been doing the rounds more than um, the goal. It was an absolute liberty and... Moments of skill get shared like that, because I think ultimately as an audience, you look at it and you go, just not everyone can do stuff like that. Very pretty feet, incredibly dynamic, balance on a different planet. It's kind of Messi-esque. Drags the ball back around someone and then uh, then stretching, but just nutmegs someone. And it's just like, you've got no business doing that. But it shows a player who... If anyone needed any more proof of how good he can be, Trossard shows you in flashes. That's not really the issue. There are moments where you're like, this guy is from a different planet. But what we need to get him to is that consistency. It can only bode well for us that he's playing well for Belgium. This is a second international break in a row where he's banged goals and looked pretty scary. But, um, you know, when you think about the way he left... Uh, Arsenal, in terms of just before the international break, he looked hungry. He looked like he might have, hopefully, turned a corner. And I certainly think, in terms of where we find ourselves now, he is our best stri- uh, best striking option, um, playing as the as a false nine and whatnot. And you know, arguably, is the best finisher at the club. So lovely to see Luther Van Trost seducing us with we- his uh, wondrous work. And uh, hopefully, it bodes well. We're having
2: a little chat about him on one of my uh, other group chats, and. Is it odd that he's only kind of really been discovered since he joined Arsenal? Because he's always been a really talented player. And I, I was just wondering whether his appearance, you know, like that sort of money ball effect. And I remember somebody said that he looked like uh, a sickly Victor- Victorian child. <laughs> and it's kind of stuck with me because I'm like, it. how can a player that does something like that on international duty not be at one of the top clubs at 23-24. I know he was on the radar of a lot of clubs, but felt like he kind of sat in the background at Brighton for, for quite a while. And I, I'm glad that we've got him uh, later on. But it does always amaze me that, you know, he's got unbelievable technical ability. He can obviously follow a tactical plan really closely. He's like very intelligent. And he's got like bang, bang output. And he just sat at Brighton. You know, like we went to Ben White. No one knew who Ben White was. When uh, he he was uh, at Brighton, but uh, the, the the trust got ignored. You have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, about his appearance. Obviously, he—I mean—he does the celebration himself with his eyes. He does look like he's been up watching WrestleMania the <laughs> night before. Um, <laughs> a bit of a red eye in the morning, but the the fact is, with um, Luthor, at the moment, he's got the kind of profile. Him, you know, and I, I make no com- no apologies with this comparison because they're both from Belgium. But like Adrice Mertens, a few years ago, you used to hear him bumbling around, and it's like, oh, he's just done something sick, disgusting skill playing, breaking into Belgium team, looking the Belgium team looking really good, and they need to go quiet for a little bit, and in then he Sydney comes back as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know that kind of profile, and what we need, or what we would be absolutely ideal is if Trossard went from that profile of player to someone who really comes good in you know he's already come good in his career but goes to another level and it's not the common you know most traditional course when it comes to player trajectories but it can happen um I'm trying to think of a comp now of someone who really only made it as world class when they're about 27 but um I know there are players that have really gone to another level in 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 in, in, at later points in their career and if he does i think all that all that happens is when you see moments like this little clip you just realize that from a technical point of view he has it all he can do really really crazy shit and um yeah i mean described him as a street footballer mm, when you mm.
2: think about it i like that, that those sorts of skills it will very like that. That that's a that's a that's a Ronaldinho clip. Right? Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. And you know the crazy thing: most people just saw the slow motion replay. Have you seen it at full speed? Um, I think so. I it's, think so. But I've definitely seen the slow mo so, one. It's so quick to have that speed of thought and the control over your body to lift it,
1: um, going at basically full pace. So uh, very I, impressive. Also, I do think that with Trossard, like for those that seem to be you know, a bit reticent to commit to wanting to see him as a false nine or whatever else. I largely think it comes down to the profile of player. A lot of people are sitting there like, well, he's not tall enough. He's not He's not going to offer us the physicality that even an Eddie would. But for me, and again, it's always important to have those North Stars, if you like, for these players, because sometimes, it, you know, it, it shows you what is possible. And for me, Trossard could be like a David Villa. Incredible feet, close control, disgusting, dirty finishing. And you can play as a point man and be that tall and, you know, have that kind of, you know, playing style and make it work. But you just have to be incredibly high level. But there's nothing to say that Trossard can't get to that kind of level where he is a, you know, one of Europe's finest because he's got talent to do it. It's just a big jump. David Veer is one of those players
2: who was so impactful, during his time at Valencia and Barcelona, but he's never in the conversations for like best poacher of all time. And he should be because he was an unbelievable finisher and he played in highly technical sides, but he doesn't get the same plaudits. Kind of like all he, all he could do was finish. And I I think that's maybe a bit of an underestimation of the talents that he had.
1: Yeah. he, He was just unreal. But also one of the things that he did was he was a regular scorer from range. Like he would bang, you know, when he hit him. They stayed here. And that's what I'd like to see. If Trossard gets a run, let's have some long pot shots as well because I feel like he's got the, you know, the technique to, to cause keepers' problems. And we don't really have too many early shooters in our team. So, um, yeah, give, give Tross a go.
2: All right, let's talk about Kai Havertz. I think Matt did... Um... Did a lot of the heavy lifting earlier in the conversation. His take was if Nagelsmann, one of the sort of premier thinkers in world football, is playing him and saying he's an exceptional player, chances are he might be. Johnny, I wanted to take this to a different angle. Um, Chelsea bought him as a wide right player. They ended up playing him as a false nine. Arteta's has bought him as a false nine, has ended up playing him as a left-sided eight um, and a right-sided eight. And then Nagelsmann's enter the conversation. He's playing him at left back. Is there a danger that he is a master technician, um, but it's going to be difficult to find him a home? And is there an even bigger danger for Kai that as we're trying to find him a home, players like Zinchenko enter the left sided eight conversation?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's good. To, it's a feather in his cap that, so many good managers think that he's worth it. Because that's the thing. It's like, if they didn't think you were worth it, worth it, they wouldn't even be bothering trying to find solutions. They would just be like, crack on, mate. You know, this guy's just not going to cut it. They think that he clearly offers something. It would be one of the most extraordinary turnarounds. Because I, I kind of feel like one of the things that we give Kai credit for is his physical profile. And he can play even in the centre of midfield, because we kind of feel like, well, he's tall enough. You don't didn't really see him getting pushed around, even though he's a bit, you know, a, a stringy. But, um, you know, to see someone like that, who's maybe going in at left back, I mean, the nearest thing when a guy is like 6'4", playing left back, is like Arsenal's Dan Byrne, if he goes in there. <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't be blessed with pace. But I, I always look to people like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain in situations like this. Everyone knew he was a brilliant player. Everyone knew he was technically really sound. And then for a long time, it was like, yeah, he's great, but maybe he'll play right wing. Maybe he'll play left wing. Oh, I'll give him a go in centre midfield. Now he's playing right back. And at the end of the day, the guy had to move on. So it's all well and good showing how good you are, you know, in terms of your versatility. But if you're without a home for too long, like people just start thinking jack of all trades, master of none.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I I would really like Kai to find a home somewhere long term because 65 million is a lot of money to spend on someone that's just sort of appearing all over the place and doing a very adequate job, uh, but not doing much else. And I think that he's got the potential to deliver consistent spectacular. I would just like to see it at Arsenal after the break. And I really don't want to see him at left back moving forward that doesn't fill me with any sort of joy hopefully the fact that we've got timber waiting in the wings will mean that that won't be an experiment Arteta uses but the big positive is Nagelsmann thinks he's good as well and I, I do agree with Matt it's like at a certain point you just got to accept that if all these top 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 coaches like him he's probably a good player and he's probably not going to fail but one
1: one thing though Pete on that as well and i that... Do I really want to be adding negativity to Kai right now? Of course I don't. But this is Guna, it's whatever, he, whatever Matt said, the alias. Um, if you see the goal, it's a positive thing. He scored and it'll be good for his confidence. The goal, it's not like, you know, and not everyone can do that all the time. It's not like he's hit a wonder goal from 30 yards out and shown supreme technique. He's kind of bundled it over the line, which don't get me wrong, I'd bite your hand off for when he's playing at Arsenal. But... It's not like he he looked really assured in front of goal in that situation. It was more like got it over the line. Again, that's fine. A goal's a goal. But I don't feel like any corner's been turned with his, you know, the way he was in front of goal. It's just this one went in. So, um, you know, I suspect we might get more of the same. That's all I will say on it. You want to see him score like
2: he means it. I agree with that. I want to see a screamer. I want to see a I want to see him score more headers. But listen, plenty of time for that. He's on a long term deal. Arteta will make it work, I am sure. All right, let's move on to the next topic of conversation. David Dean has gone on Talk Sport. And he said that Mikel Arteta wouldn't have gotten away with that sort of referee chatter in his day. Um, Johnny, what'd you make of this comment? David Dean, a very measured person. We enjoyed his conversation on our podcast very much. Is he right on this situation? or have times changed and Arteta's got to get those fangs out.
1: Yeah, so um for those that didn't see it, we did uh, we saw David Dean appearing on Talksport and he um said he was asked uh, as part of the interview obviously about Arteta's comments and and ultimately the fact that um Arsenal backed him and were so quick to back him and they said that David if you were in charge would that was that something that would have happened and ultimately he said no, it's certainly not something that um would happen on under my watch. And, um, you know, it, it, he said he would even have a word with the manager as well. So, um, I feel like it just speaks to the fact that we're in a slightly different era and, uh, I'm not sure whether some people see that as a really bad thing, but, um, you know, it, it, it is what it is, I guess.
2: Yeah. I'm, um, I'm unsure about the angle. I think it works from, uh, you know, being classy perspective, but I, I think there's, there's been... Uh, it didn't help Arsene Wenger over the years. And I think that we've seen so many bad decisions this year and they seem to consistently affect Arsenal worse than any other club. And I will go back to the, you know, two, like the Martinelli uh, incident where he got booked for two separate incidences in in one move. You know, these sort of never-been-done-before moves that... Um, that always seem to affect our players more than anybody else. I think Arteta had the right to say something. I think somebody has to be the first person to step up and call bullshit on it. And after Arteta came out and said that he doesn't like the referees, what happened? De Zerbi comes out and says he doesn't like 80% of the referees. I just hope that the fine or the ban that he gets inspires something long-term. I think the only way that you get change in refereeing is if clubs come together collectively to say this is enough we are not tolerating this happening anymore i think 17 managers lost their jobs last season i think 17 17 managers lost their jobs last year and how many referees lost their jobs one lee mason lost his job then he got his job right back again like there is no culture of um improvement there's no desire to. focus on making better decisions in the game. And I don't think Howard Webb is the right man to lead Pogmo. But moving forward, something's got to change. And I think the you know, Arteta is going to get slapped. I think Arsenal will also get slapped. But that shouldn't stop progress happening. And um, yeah, so well, D- David Dean, you know, I'm sure back in his day, would have controlled Wenger. But Arsene Wenger would never have come out against the referees. And that didn't really help him. Still thinking back to our invincible run.
1: It's true. And, you know, ultimately, uh, David Dean is someone that we all respect and like anyway, you know, for what he's done. But we've got to be honest, football has moved on as well. And I'm not saying he was always a very forward thinking man within football, you know, which is great. But it's not necessarily the case that all chairmen or, you know, heads of the club would be like that anymore Managers are outspoken. There's a lot more about profile, celebrity. People want to know what managers have to think about it. And at the end of the day, there's a lot at stake on these games. People are losing their jobs over it. So I think I I completely respect and understand uh, David Dean's perspective. But I also kind of feel like, you know what? This is where we are with football now. And, you know, um, I don't think... It's not necessarily what I would have done in terms of a, as a club, what Arsenal did. But I don't think it's like egregiously bad either. You backed your manager and you thought he had a point. And ultimately, the the, the argument around the dismal refereeing, that's legitimate. So it is what it is.
2: I agree. You've got to break a few eggs if you want to make a, an elite refereeing omelette, as they say, Johnny. All right. And um, just a quick one today. We wanted to bang something out, let you know that we're all alive, let you know that we feel your pain, too. Um, and we're going to be back with a bang after the break, Johnny. It's going to be nonstop on the whistles. There's going to be loads of things to talk about, and we absolutely cannot wait to spend it with all of you. And remember, if you want extra content, go to patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal opinion. And I would say, Johnny, on that note, we should probably say ciao for now. Yeah now
1: Sports Social Podcast Network